Howdy, howdy, my friends, and welcome once again to the Daily Run as we make our way through the Book of Matthew. We call this Keeping Up with the King, and uh, yeah, my podcast has like four names or something like that. So anyway, welcome. My name's Mike, and this is the Run of the Mills podcast, and we are in Matthew chapter 27, and we're toward the end of the Book of Matthew. If you're joining us for the first time today, uh, welcome. Hopefully this is a blessing to you. Um, and as I often say here, which you wouldn't know if this was your first time, go back to the beginning, start at the beginning. Um, and I would really encourage you to listen to these in context in order, uh, because that's the way the book was written in order in context. So, Hey, um, let's just look at this here where we are on verse 38 and this is talking about the crucifixion of Christ. And so we talked last time about has garments being divided and how, uh, the accusation against him was posted um, above him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Verse 38. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. More is going to be said about them later on, but uh, it goes on to say this. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. You know, there's a lot to be said about this, and as, as I've mentioned in the previous few episodes, as we talk about the crucifixion of Christ, there's there's just richness in every line. And so I, uh, I have to choose, like, what am I going to talk about in this little portion? Um, and there's so much, of course, nuance in the scripture that if I was to spend uh, the time I wanted to on each one of these, uh, we would not get out of this chapter for weeks and weeks and weeks. And um, sometimes, though, as, as much as I think, hey, that would be great, other times I think, you know, it's important that we keep moving, we keep covering Scripture, because I know in my life, when I have gotten these in these places where I've read a little bit at a time, like read the same verse over and over and over and over and over and over for days and days and days and days, I've gotten a lot out of that verse, but I was missing out on um, keeping kind of in touch with the totality of the Bible. And so what I would often do is pick a pick another section to read through at not quite a snail's pace. So anyway, with that being said, what really struck me about this was something that I've, I've noticed with people that I guess it's kind of bewildered me. And maybe it's because um, I guess I've noticed something about, about people when it comes to the Lord. Uh, when I first started pastoring a, a church, I noticed that there were some people that would come to church when life was bad in, you know, in their estimation, you know, you know, things are going wrong. My business is doing bad. I lost my job. My kids are in trouble. You know, I've been diagnosed with this disease. As long as things were going bad, they were at church. When things got better, when they got a new job and when their kid got out of the trouble and, you know, Oh, it was a false diagnosis or, you know, whatever, then we didn't see them anymore. They, they were 
they were gone. They were only there when they needed something from the Lord. And then there's the other kind. Uh, the other kind were the ones who were there as long as everything was going right. When they had the job, when their marriage was going well, when their kids were doing well in school and uh, and they were healthy, um, then they were there. But when they faced times of adversity, then they disappeared. Now, obviously, those are very big, wide generalizations that there tend to be people that were in those two camps. And there were, I think the majority of people were neither of those. The majority of the people came regardless of the present situation because they were there because of their eternal situation, because they knew the Lord, they loved the Lord, they were saved and they were coming to worship him uh, like Job did, you know, in in the time, the good times and in the times of adversity. So uh, the reason I bring that up is because I think that, that uh, for me, maybe my tendency was in the past was not to run from Jesus in difficult times. Um, in my, in my younger years. Um, and, and you know what? I take that back. I think that's just my tendency. My tendency is, you know, when difficult, difficult times come to pray more, you know, to spend more time in my Bible when difficult times come. And it doesn't mean I abandon him in good times, but I definitely don't recognize my need nearly as much. But I bring all this up because I have had many, many a conversation with people over the years, especially like kids that were in my youth group. Um, sometimes it was, it was sometimes it was adults in the church, but uh, I would have this conversation about them giving up on the Lord, them going to go do other things to pursue, you know, the big, the big P's to pursue pleasure, to pursue popularity, to pursue, uh, prosperity, um, to pursue power. They were, they were going off after the things of the world. And oftentimes there was this big question mark of why does God, why is God letting this happen to me? I don't see if God loves me, why this, if God loves me, why that, why is, why is God allowing these struggles and difficulties. Why is, you know, why is, why is a loving God doing this to me? And, and to me, I guess that was always a very foreign concept. That was not something I ever laid in bed at night thinking, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Um, why is God doing this to me? And, and I, I don't know exactly why. I think part of it is because of one of my earliest, uh, exposures to Christianity was at a Sunday school class that my friend invited me to come to. And they talked about the story of Job and it just really struck me. Um, you know, not that I understood the full scope of the book of Job, but I, I got, I got the idea that, that sometimes we don't understand what God's doing, you know, and that Job's job was to trust God through it. And, and I, I don't know, that kind of made sense to me, I guess, as a kid or whatever, but um, the thing that I would come back to so often with these people that would be like, you know, why is God letting this happen to me? It was, was, you got to go back to the Bible. And maybe that's what I did. Maybe that's what I did when I was a kid. I knew one Bible story, you know, I, I knew more than one. I knew, you know, I knew David and Goliath and some others, but really that was, that was one that I knew. I knew this story about this guy that was faithfully serving the Lord and then lost everything. And when everyone else told him to give up on God and die, when everyone else told him it was his fault, he just said, 
I don't know why this is happening, but I'm not going to curse God and die. You know, God, God has a reason God knows. And I don't know. And he lamented a lot about why is this happening? But, you know, God answers him in the end. And, and the answer isn't, this is why it's happening. It's, you know, Job, you don't understand much of anything about the universe. Um, so what makes you think you're going to understand this? And um, might, might not be the answer he was wanting, but it was the answer. So anyway, all that to say, I would go back to that story because I knew that. And this is the thing I think that we need to, to do when we find ourselves in times of trouble and difficulties, days of adversity, is to go back to the Bible, go back to what we know. And I think that the thing is that so many people get this weird, twisted view of Christianity that like, if you're a Christian, that because God, and maybe it goes back to this, maybe it's because we say God loves you, that they have a warped view of love that, well, if God loves me, he's never going to let me be uncomfortable. He's never going to let me face times of difficulty. And, you know, this last week, I took my daughters to trapeze lessons. And this is something we've done a few times. Um, and it's loads of fun, swinging on trapeze, doing tricks. And even an old guy like me gets to do some. And we took my youngest daughter, who had never done it before. And she got there, and she started to go up the steps, the ladder. 20 feet up in the air or so to swing on a trapeze. And she got about four feet off the ground and was like, no, 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 uh, no. Um, but I didn't just say, oh, you don't have to do it. I knew she was going to be uncomfortable. I knew before we got there. And so I warned her ahead of time. Like, the, you remember when we did the high ropes course and you were scared and you quit, but then you came back later and you did it. This might be like that. You might want to quit, but remember how much fun you had once you did it. And so I allow her to face times of difficulty, not because I don't love her, but in fact, because I do. So the thing that, that amazes me when, when I meet people that are like, oh, I, I, I turn my back on the Lord, or I, you know, you just didn't love me because, you know, I was going through these hard times. God doesn't really love me. You know, you, people say just loves you, but I, I don't feel that. I don't, I don't think that's true because I'm going through hard times. Man, it's like, go back and read Matthew 27. Read about the rejection of Christ by, you know, his betrayal by one of his 12 closest followers. The, his rejection by the ones who were his closest followers. You know, his, his abandonment by his friends, the mocking of the religious leaders and people lying about him. And here he is as he's dying again, being mocked and ridiculed. And when I remember that, when I'm mocked and when I'm ridiculed, when I'm abandoned, when I'm feeling like, friends have left me when I'm feeling like this is not how I wanted things to go. This is uncomfortable. This is painful. Maybe it's because of him. Maybe I'm being rejected by others because I follow Jesus. When I read this, I'm reminded like, Hey, if they did it to him, they might just do it to me. But Jesus suffered so I might suffer as well. You know, it's not saying I, I'm, he's suffering so that I never will. 
some people have that idea, but that's not really a biblical idea. You know, read about Paul who followed Jesus and yet was beaten and stoned and um, shipwrecked and et cetera, et cetera. You know, goes through all kinds of difficult things um, for the Lord's sake. And so when I when I face times of adversity and difficulty, it shouldn't drive me from him. It should drive me to him. I should, when I read about what happened on the cross, I can read that and say, oh, you know what? He suffered for me. He was rejected for me. He was reviled for me. And so if I'm reviled or if I'm rejected, it, it's not that God doesn't love me. It's not that I'm unloved. It's part of the Christian experience because God uses those things. God uses these things to bring about his purposes. See, because God was using what happened to Jesus on the cross to bring about his divine purposes and some mega uber important ones. And he's going to do the same thing with yours. Just keep your eyes on him. God bless you. Talk to you next time.